And I'm the happiest I've ever been feeling like I'm not afraid of bad feelings. I'm not afraid of things going wrong. I'm not afraid of my darkest emotions. And that's what acceptance of the bad has done for me. It's taken away so much of the fear I used to have. How do you create an unshakable business? I crossed $100 million in net worth by the age of 28. Now I'm growing acquisition.com into a billion dollar portfolio. In this podcast, I share the lessons I've learned in scaling big businesses and helping our portfolio companies do the same. Buckle up and let's build. Now, real quick, uh, we're going on a little walk here, but we're trying something new. Why are we doing this? Because you had the idea. (laughs) (laughs) But you like to walk a lot, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I already like to walk. And so it's like, how do we get content in a way that doesn't take away from normal life? Like, it would be something I'd be already doing, which is like, it's the end of a day. And today, like, I would have probably already just gone on a walk anyways. It's like, either I'm going to go on a walk or go to the gym after work before dinner and working more. So... We're trying to capture in a way that doesn't like prohibit me from living my life how I want to. So it's like, what are things that we're already doing that we could capture content during? Walking is one of them. Uh, unless we get kidnapped, in that case, you can get no content. Like, just like r- real talk, the reason that I don't find it productive for myself and for some others who might relate to me to like talk about the manifestations or not even that, but like, well, if you think it's going to be a shitty day, then you look for evidence it's going to be a shitty day, which yes, I I don't disagree with. At the same time, then the op, you know, then it's like, okay, if you think it's going to be a great day, you're going to look for evidence it's a great day. I think that both these things can be true. I also just have seen it, uh, especially in people who are highly anxious, work against them because then they fear their thoughts about not feeling good, feeling shitty. I'm not manifesting. What if I think bad thoughts, then I'm going to feel bad. And it's a self-perpetuating cycle of anxiety. And I used to um, really struggle with that because I would get in my head too much and think like, I don't know, it's like a loop of don't think those bad thoughts because then it's actually going to happen. But then because of that, you start looking for them because your brain's saying, oh, bad thoughts are dangerous. So your brain's on the lookout and then you're, you're self-monitoring, um, which puts you like at a very heightened state of stress. That was so much shit. And then it really just doesn't feel good. It's like you elevate your stress from like being practical to being like an emotional disturbance because you're stressed about being stressed because of the importance you place on the thoughts you have. And I just, for me to get over that, um, because I have probably like my whole life just had to learn how to manage a lot of what many would just say is like anxious thoughts, which is probably why I like to talk about it more. It's because it's something I still uh, deal with in bouts, like it comes and goes, um, is because I put, I placed too much importance on my thoughts 
And for me, what's given me a lot of freedom in my life and helped me to feel better, function better, has been putting more emphasis on my actions and recognizing that I can have thoughts and behave differently and that thoughts don't determine my fate. And that's just helped me be a happier person because it's a more useful, Jesus Christ. I'm like, I'm just gonna ruin my shoes. Like, what is this? Oh God, where are we? I don't know. Yeah, I honestly haven't paid attention where we're going, so this is not my loop. Um, that's all it is. Like, I just, I think I just think of my younger self, which was, and honestly, like, I mean, every few months, like, I go through a couple weeks where it's just like, I just feel like I'm just like in a in weird headspace. Um, and that's just like, what's helped me has been detaching from thoughts altogether not placing so much importance on them and instead placing on my actions. You know, and I think a lot of it starts to also just like, you know, probably like labels that were put on me years ago. And I used to be worried that what if I believe the labels and I start becoming the labels? And like, I would just get so wrapped my head above that shit. I think... So for a lot of people, maybe they don't go in that direction, but that's the direction I used to go in, and I think that's why I'm averse to it. Interesting. What if I find myself incapable of taking these actions? Well, you're not. That's just a lie. That's a, that's a false statement. You are capable of taking the actions. You are choosing not to for some reason. But what if I wake up in the morning and I'm just, I'm like, I continually, like every morning, I just keep feeling like, ugh. Like, I, I I know what I need to do. I'm aware of it, but I don't I don't do it. I think oftentimes we have to ask ourselves, what am I getting from this? Even people, and like I say this, and the people rag on me. I think when I'm like when I talk about like depression and this and that, and I'm like, you, I was literally diagnosed as depressed. Like it's not like literally like clinically depressed. You. So it's like it pisses me off because I'm like. Literally, I've been told every fucking name in the book and I do not talk about it because it's not fucking helpful. And I don't want people to like say that I'm a not an advocate of mental health. I'm like, I literally have been prescribed every fucking medication that there exists. I've been told I'm clinically depressed. I've been told that I'm manic. I was told that I have bipolar disorder. I mean, like, Jesus Christ. And the thing is, is that even being depressed has a benefit, which is you don't have to do anything. So what do I get from acting depressed is that I don't have to be a productive member of society. I don't have to enter stressful situations. I don't have to go do the thing I'm afraid to do. I get empathy from people. People feel bad for me and then pay attention to me. And nobody wants to say that, but it's the truth. And I literally recognized that for myself many, many years ago. And it was a fucking terrifying moment because I realized that I gained something from saying that that was what I was. And it was like really hard for me because it's like very shame. You know what I mean? Like it's embarrassing. I don't even, I don't even think I've ever said it out loud, but I remember recognizing I actually gained something from accepting this as my reality. And I think a lot of people just blame the label and then 
and then say, that's why I can't change. And I think if more people would say, what do I gain from, from acting as if this label is true? And if they weren't so averse to the fact that it could be untrue, then they would have so much more growth in their lives. And so I think that's the first thing is, what do you gain from acting this way? You know, and I think, you know, a lot of people don't realize how much they get from acting in a way that seems like it's ruining their lives. But think about the amount of people who, when they act incredibly depressed or when they act incredibly scared or lost or they get more attention than they've ever gotten in their whole life. So they get reinforced for acting that way. And dude, the moment I realized it for myself, I was like, I would rather be dead than that be the reason I get attention. I mean, I'm not even fucking with you. Like, I was like, I would rather, I would rather have the worst case scenario happen. I'd rather die than live a life where I'm, I seek misery because it, it, it gets me some kind of attention I didn't get before, you know? And it wasn't to any extreme of any sort, but, but it was something, it was something, it was just, it was a behavior that was reinforced. And I think it's probably like, why do kids cry? Parent gives them attention. Adults do the same shit. So I would look at it and say, what do I gain from, from not doing what I know I need to do? You're gaining something. Or you are avoiding a negative. You're avoiding stress, discomfort, the possibility of uncertainty. And so like when people are like, I don't know why I won't do the thing. I'm like, because you gain more not doing the thing than you do doing the thing. That's why. So first, identify that. And the second is, how can I create a situation where if I do the thing, I gain more and I lose less? And so I think that's why I talk about like engineering your environment. Because if you can engineer your environment, then you don't have a choice. Suddenly, you'll find yourself wanting to do the thing because you've, you've created stakes of some sort. This is why a lot of people benefit from having children because you see people who are deadbeats and then they have kids and suddenly they get their fucking lives together because why? There were stakes. They had higher consequences for not getting their life together than they did remaining the same. Does that make sense? Yeah. So how do you like, or I guess a better way to say it is, can you manufacture that? Yeah. How would you recommend somebody go about manufacturing? Well, I mean, like for me, when I realized I didn't want to live a life of being, of being soft, of being soft, when I realized I didn't want to live a life of being soft, you know, I, I was like, I need to move out to California. I need to put myself in a situation where I have to do things that I really don't want to do in order to remain in the situation. Otherwise, what happens is I have to move back home. God, that would be embarrassing. How embarrassing would that be? And so the cost of not doing the uncomfortable things became higher when I moved because what would happen is the consequences rose, which is like the consequences would be public shame, at least in my mind. And that to me was unacceptable. And so, I think a lot of people, by changing where they live, changing the people they're friends with, changing the people they associate with, 
can create higher consequences for themselves and higher benefits if they do the thing. So I think it just takes a sit down to say, how could I, in what environment would it be easier to do this than to not? And I think a lot of people just don't, they don't sit down and think that way. I think that way every day when I'm trying to get myself to do shit. I'm like, how do I make it easier for me to do the things that are good for me and harder to do things that are bad for me? You know? Um, and yeah. How do you identify things that are not good for you? You know, like some people are super self-aware, but like a lot of people, I think probably aren't aware of a lot of habits and things that they do that are negative. Well, I would say, does it get you further or closer to your goals? Or further or closer to a life you want? I don't think there's any inherent good or bad. I just think there's, do you have the life you want or not? I really cast no judgment on what a good or bad is. I think there's ethics, but some people don't subscribe to those. So, But for those of us who do have ethics, I think most of the times our goals in life are based off of ethics plus ideal, you know, like preferences. And so it's really just like, does this action take me further or closer to the kind of life I want? I think that's a better frame to put it through. And that's usually what I used to ask myself. God, why do I not know where we are? I've literally never been this way. Oops. And that's, uh, yeah. You kind of have to know what your goals are first, then, huh? I don't even think it needs to be that tangible. Okay. I mean, who do you look up to? Would this action get me further or closer to that person's life? I think in the beginning, it's so hard to conceptualize goals. I had way more people I looked up to, and I just would ask myself, would they do this or not? You know, I think that's a really useful frame for somebody who's just starting out. And you probably don't have, you're probably not that great at setting goals. Go back this way so I can figure out where we are. Somebody you admire that has somewhat of what you want. And then ask yourself, would they do things? Would this get me closer to that? Yeah. Like, pick the person that you most look up to and use them as your decision-making framework. Would they do this or not? And if they wouldn't do it, don't do it. And use that until you have enough skills to think for yourself. But a lot of us haven't been thinking for ourselves. I know when I was younger, I didn't know how to think for myself. And so it was much easier to think, would this person do this or not? Until I gained critical thinking skills. You know, I remember the day that I realized I didn't have them. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, I realized I was really good at taking action, but I hadn't, I took action so much that I didn't even have, it's like, I don't have time, oh God, this car, there's so much happening. Here you go, here you go. Ugh. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, so, 
I think that's a great frame to start with. Find somebody you look up to. Find somebody whose life you want and just put things through their frame of reference. Would they want to do this? Would they do this? If they wouldn't do it, what would they do instead? If they were going to do it, how would they go about it? I think a lot of people can decipher that. And it's often if you're not where you want to be in life, it's better than remaining where you are and keep keeping your own whatever framework you've been using. Okay, so I, I'm watching this. I'm like, but Layla, how do I pick that person? Like, how did you know? Like, this is a good person to build this model after. You know, like, how do you evaluate that and make that decision? Is their life better or worse than yours? Do they have a better relationship? Meaning, do they seem happier with their spouse or significant other? Do they have objectively more money than you? Do they, uh, are they more productive than you? Like, are they able to do things more? Are they more able than you? Like, they can get more done than you? Do they act ethically more than you? I mean, I would just look at all the facets of life and say, like, do they rank higher than you? If they do, I don't care who it is. It could be your next door neighbor. It could be a great frame. As long as they're one step ahead. I think a lot of people can use that frame. I'm just talking in circles now. Did you document this? Like, would you write it down or was it more just mental? Like, you no, I've never been that methodical of writing it down. I've always just thought it. You know, um, I don't anymore. I don't I don't do this anymore. But in the beginning, when I was just starting to try and change things, it was definitely what I used is like, I would look at people that I aspired to be like, and think, you know, would they do this? Would they do that? Would they move to California? Would they stay at home? What kind of job would they get? Yeah. I think it helped me a lot. So back to a little bit of what I was saying earlier, what would you classify as the difference between, because an observation that I've made is that you use, from what I see, it seems like you use the power of like framing your realities to deter against negatives or not even negatives, but things that would not help you get towards your goal, right? So when you're tired or stressed, like you tend to uh, say like, I'm not tired, right? Uh-huh. What is the difference between that versus saying, I am lucky and everything works in my favor and everything goes my direction? I think there's a fine line between in a certain moment, mean saying I'm not tired is a reminder to me that feelings are fleeting because they are truly. If you measure feelings, most of them pass within 20 to 30 minutes. It's like it's science. It's not, this isn't like me making it up. And so if somebody's like, oh, you don't want to do that. You're tired. Well, the likelihood that I'm tired in 30 minutes once I get into it is low. So I just got to get over the hump, you know? And I don't also think tired is bad. 
I think tired means I probably did a good fucking job. <laughs> you know, like I gave it my all, which I, I like that feeling. And I think when it comes to like being like everything is amazing and this and that, I don't see that as a feeling. I see it as a, a claim. And I don't see anything wrong with a claim if you have evidence to support it. Um, well, I guess, actually, I don't know. I've seen... I here's the thing. I don't like if it fucking works for you, it works for you. If 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 saying I'm lucky and this and that works for you, keep doing it. Um I think there's a fine line between thinking positively in a way that enhances your life and being delusional. And I'm very cognizant of that. And I've unfortunately seen a lot of people take it too far. And their life is not good and shit's not good. They're delusional and they're speaking in a way because they've been told that will help that doesn't, that accepts their current reality. I don't even know how to verbal. I'm not very articulate around this topic because I don't talk about it because it's controversial. They... They speak in a way that makes a current reality okay. That is not. And I would say that that is delusion. It's like, I believe that, wow, my life is so good. All these things, blah, blah, And all these things are coming for me. It's like, all right, buddy, it's been six months. It hasn't happened. Your life is still shit. Are we just going to sit on our ass? And so I think I am all for not dwelling on the negative. I'm also all for not overly focusing on the positive. Because I think if you focus too much on the positive, those people tend to take less action. If you focus too much on the negative, sometimes those people get paralyzed. Um, or they take so much action that it, it overcompensates, it complicates things. Either one in, in, in taken to an extreme is not great. I think you want a healthy dose of both and you want to recognize when they're useful and not. They're tools to be used. They're not religions to live your life by. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Because I've also noticed that, like, sometimes you, like, in almost the opposite way, really lean in to it. And you're like, I feel like shit today. I feel like dog shit. And maybe it's going to get worse, you know? And, like, I hear you do that, too. And I feel like you kind of, whether intentionally or not, and I'm curious if it is intentional, like, I feel like you're balancing both constantly on whatever one is going to serve you best in that moment. I think so. Um, like I felt I, it's almost like, I feel like it's like a gift from the world that like every film day, something just happens to happen. Like the last two film days, some big legal thing drops before we film this film day. I don't get my period until it's 17 days late and it happens on a film day morning. And I'm like in bed for an hour and a half, like just trying to be able to move. <laughs> and I'm like, Dude, it's so funny how that stuff works out. But I think I always, in situations that I can't control, like to mentally prepare myself for the worst because the worst very may, may very well happen. And I don't, I think surprises are worse than our worst feelings. Like the worst feeling is a bad thing that happens and we're surprised about it. So if I prepare myself, it's going to get worse. 
It's like, I've just accepted it. And I think for me, acceptance is a really powerful tool. Um, and accepting that there's a lot of times you're going to feel shitty and you're going to suffer has been a lot more helpful for me than a lot of the other tools. Like trying to get rid of the bad has not helped me as much as, sorry, trying to get rid of the bad has been a lot less helpful for me than just accepting the bad happens, if that makes sense. And so I think for me, the reason that like Lucky Girl and the Manifestation, um, it just hasn't worked. I mean, I've been more reinforced through the other things than I have through that, probably because uh, I get, I have the tendency to thought, like think in loops when it comes to how I'm feeling, or at least I, I used to. It, it doesn't happen as much anymore, but every once in a while I stumble upon into one um, where stuff's going really well and then I start to think, oh God, what if it starts to go bad now? I'm feeling too good. And so for me, I'm actually, it's weird because the way I say it now, it's it's like the funniest thing is that when I say it, it sounds like, oh, I bet you she's not happy. And I'm the happiest I've ever been feeling like I'm not afraid of bad feelings. I'm not afraid of things going wrong. I'm not afraid of my darkest emotions. And that's what acceptance of the bad has done for me. It's taken away so much of the fear I used to have. And I don't know, you know, I've desensitized myself to it. I'm not afraid to think about the bad stuff. I'm not afraid to talk about it. I'm not afraid for it to happen. You know, I don't want it to. I don't have to like, I'm not like, yes, give it to me. I'm not uh, a sadist, but, but I no longer am controlled and propelled in the opposite direction by it. Does that make sense? Yeah, you definitely weren't born right up. So how, how did you train yourself to do this? And how do you feel like somebody watching or listening to train themselves to do the same? I think I got really lucky and I got introduced to people who understood a lot of the science behind behavior change. And I think that I am very compliant. And I think for most of my life, I think a lot of us just want to feel good, right? And we do a lot of things because we think they're going to make us feel good. Ultimately, it's like we want the good feeling, right? Um, whether it's in the long term or the short term, the smarter humans find ways to feel, they sacrifice feeling good in the short term to feel good in the long term, but ultimately it's a good feeling, right? Um, it's been so long. It's not like it's something that could be distilled down. And I don't think I'm an expert at teaching it or doing it to distill anything down into one framework. And I think a lot of it has just been <sighs> trying a lot of shit that didn't work. I think I've tried everything. <laughs> I think since I was a kid, I've tried everything to cope, destroy, manage a feeling of anxiety 
that many classified when I was young as a problem. And I just found a lot of stuff that didn't work. You know, it made it, it made it stronger. It made it worse. It made me feel like my life got worse, not better. And then I, I've been open enough to never stop trying that eventually you find things that do work. And not just in the short term, but you see that they work over a long enough time horizon. Because now that I'm old enough, it's, <laughs> I've been trying this stuff for decades, literally, since I was like a teenager. And then I keep doing more of the stuff that works and keep trying more things that are adjacent to it. And then I build my own little recipe of what works for me. I think the key is just being open to trying things and recognizing when something doesn't work and not continuing to go down that path. Like not saying, oh, I'm going to keep trying it because it's like, just pivot, just try something else and then find what works for you. I think that's probably it. It's just been like trial and error most of my life. So if I were to ask you, like I'm, I'm trying to, you know, get better at accepting shitty feelings. You know, yeah. A lot of things on my plate right now, uh, and on many different directions. Yeah. That I'm not used to, and projects I've never been a part of. What would you say is the first step? I should say not not the blueprint, but just the first step. Start working on accepting feeling shitty and not trying to avoid it. Identify the one situation in which this happens most frequently where you feel shitty and avoid it. And then write down your plan of not stopping avoiding it, but what you're going to do instead. So it's not that we want to stop and do nothing. It's that we want to replace your behavior with something else. You know, for somebody who gets anxious when they fly on a plane, you know, instead of you know, saying, sit on the plane and deal with your anxiety, they say, I want you to bring your favorite book on the plane. And I want you to read the book the whole time. And so the task is to read the book on the plane, not to not feel anxious. And I look at the same with like a work setting. It's like, okay, well, if you have all these things going on, this and that, it's like, well, you know, say, I'm trying to think of a good example. Say you're really nervous about how this the outcome is going to be of a certain project. I would say like, well, what what's something you could do that would be productive? In the meantime, it's like, all right, well, maybe I'm going to put together a team training. Okay, so like what I want you to do is you have nothing more to do with this team project, but you're worried about the outcome. So instead, I want you to start working on something else. I want you to work on putting together this team training and rehearsing it. And then I want you to put it on for the whole team on Thursday. And that would, that would just be the task. It's like, work no more on the other project. Instead, work on this thing. And that is all. I hope you guys liked something from the first walk and talk. We want to keep doing these walk and talks. Uh, if it's like dark, you don't know where you are, you can't find your way. It's because we're walking in the dark and there's not a lot of lights here. It's not perfect the first go around. But would love to hear what other topics you guys want to hear about. And just any feedback you have overall for future walk and talks.